0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. We're getting into some of my personal favorite um, part of the Gospel of Matthew. We have today the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5-7 through 7 of St. Matthew's Gospel and this is the part that we typically refer to as the Beatitudes. And one thing that I'd like you to consider first is uh, if you were gonna look for a summary of what the gospel was, if you wanted to say in a few, in a few words what exactly it is, the good news of, that Jesus came to bring, the gospel, that Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, where would you look for that? Many of us would probably look to other, other passages in the gospel. But right here, right before us today, is one of the best summaries of what the gospel that Jesus came to bring is. And why is that? Well, the Beatitudes that we have today are something of a preface for the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to unfold what he's saying here. Everything that he's saying here over the next three chapters of St. Matthew's gospel Will be unfolded and we'll start to see what Jesus is talking about as he continues to unfold this sermon. And the, 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 part of the thing is, so, and part of my uh, encouragement to you as we begin the Sermon on the Mount is this is in this sermon, this teaching of Jesus is his teaching to his disciples. And it's absolutely foundational. It's this, these chapters of matthew 's Gospel are foundational, and we're going to be going through them for the next few Sundays, but then once, once we hit Lent, by, by the time we get out of Easter, we 're going to be past the, the Sermon on the Mount, so we 're not going to go through the whole thing. And so I encourage you to take the time to read through chapters five through seven, read through it slowly, read through it quickly, read it, and see and, and see how Jesus is speaking to the depths of, our, of your heart of your heart and my heart so that you're able to see exactly what it is that's so foundational about this. Because this is, we see at the beginning of the gospel, the uh, gospel passage, that Jesus is speaking these words to who? To, to none other than his disciples. It's, uh, it's to his disciples that are following him then. And he speaks these, wor- these words to us as well. And he starts it with um, the people who are following him are, are, are looking for the good news, are looking for... Uh, the, the news of salvation that Jesus seems to be already in the beginning of Matthew he seems to be about and bringing good news to the poor and but the he, he opens his mouth and it starts to sound completely upside down happy blessed uh, good news for those who are poor Is ble- happy are the poor happy are those who are, mo- who are mourning happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness Happy are the the meek, happy are are the peacemakers. This doesn't sound like the world as we know it. We certainly don't think of people who are mourning as happy. We certainly don't think think of the poor or the poor in spirit as people who are happy in this world. And yet this is precisely why Jesus is already, he's boldly proclaiming this at, at the start of this great sermon because he's saying in and through him In what he's doing in his life and in his ministry, these words are coming true, that God is at work in Jesus of Nazareth. God is at work in Jesus, and so the world that, uh, even though what Jesus is saying, it sounds upside down in the world, that's because the world that we live in, the world that God created, but that has been uh, shaken off course by sin and death, the world as we live in it now is actually upside down. The world is not in the right order that God created it. And so part of God's mission, part of of God's purpose in sending his only son, Jesus of Nazareth, is to put the world back on course, to set it right side up. But for those of us who are living in an upside down world, when the world is set to rights, it's going to feel like Jesus is turning everything on its head. And so these words should still have the sort of power, the sort of force, that is going to, we shouldn't just hear it and say, oh, I've heard it all before. These words are supposed to be as shocking to us now, even as ones who are committed to following Jesus in everything that we do, they should still have the effect of transforming our hearts and being a challenge to us. Are we those who are gentle? Are we those who are uh, who mourn over the state of affairs as they are because we want to see, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, do we dream with God for a world that is truly just? Or do we, or do we settle for second rate? Do we settle for saying, well, this is the best that it can be? Do we think that this is just all about, uh, it, do we think that Jesus is just giving us a new moral code? Is he just giving us uh, a, 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 a ratcheted up moral code where we, if we just try harder, if we just try and be better people, then we can have, you know, is it, is it one big project of delayed gratification? You know, suffer now in this life, and then you'll, you'll be fine in the, in the kingdom of heaven. Is that what Jesus is talking about? It absolutely is not what he's talking about, because he's saying that blessed are they who mourn now. He's not saying in some future date. He's saying now, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, it's already happening in Jesus and this, this is the good news that's, on, that's promised to us through Jesus. This is, this is the hope that we have. It, inf- it gives life to uh, everything, all of our endeavors, everything that we do in honor of Christ Jesus. Th- it's enlivened by this hope that everything that we do now is already contributing to God's just and saving rule, setting the world to rights, setting things right side up, It's not simply another moral code. It's not simply delayed gratification. We see that blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land, they will inherit the earth. It's not, it's that Jesus' rule is coming to life now. The the rule that that treats people as truly human, that makes us most fully human, most like Jesus. This isn't just good advice. Jesus isn't just another teacher in a long line of, great teachers in the in the history of the world Jesus is bringing the good news that God is King and so the world is going to start to look like what he's talking about here that justice is truly going to uh, is truly going to work itself out through the work of Jesus and his followers and so this is why he begins the Sermon on the Mount his instructions to his disciples his uh, something like a handbook for how somebody who follows Jesus who is a person who is for the kingdom of God, this is the life that we're supposed to be living. And it starts with what we're hearing in today's gospel. And it continues through chapter five, through chapter six, through chapter seven. It continues to lay out what exactly it is that we as followers of Jesus are supposed to look like and what we're supposed to live like. And the more that we go through them, and there are plenty of challenging things to come in the next three chapters, the more we will realize that, there is still work to do, theres still work to do in our hearts so that we can look uh, we can look like the sort of people that Jesus is sketching out in this in his Sermon on the Mount, and so we could come we could hear all of that and say, "Well, okay, it, it still sounds like Jesus is just ratcheting up the moral code. We've just got to try harder, and everything's going to be all right, but that's, that's not what's happening at all Jesus. In all of this that he's describing, who, who is Jesus describing? He's describing his disciples, but first and for, foremost, he's describing himself. This is the life that he's lived. This is the life that he, he's living in the moment there in, in the gospel passage, and this is the life that he, that he lived all the way up to death and out the other side. And it's ours, as those who follow Jesus, who profess to follow Jesus, and want to carry out his will, who want to seek him wherever he is, it's ours to follow this way of life, this path that Jesus has set for us, this course, so that we can be more like him. And it's through allowing our lives to be shaped by Jesus, to be centered on him, on nothing other than Jesus, that we're able to work out his kingdom into the world and let that justice, let that peace unfold and let it transform the world so that God's purposes can continue to be accomplished and that we can take part in that saving mission. And of course, we're not able to do that on our own. We need Jesus's help to do it. And so he, we, this is why we come here in worship. The, the sort of person that, has, that follows Jesus, that has Jesus at the center of his or her life, is the sort of person that does what Jesus does and, sets, and has God the Father, worship of God the Father, at the very center of our lives. That is what sets everything else into order. It's when we, let, it's when we put God off to the side that everything starts to go off kilter and, and everything is unbalanced. And so we have to center our lives on Jesus. Look to Jesus in everything that we do. Let him be the guiding factor, the guiding force in our lives. Let him set the course and we do this primarily in prayer as well. It is there's, there's, it is impossible to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, if you are not a praying person. It is impossible to live a fully flourishing human life, a life of eternal purpose, unless you are a praying person, unless you are spending time each day in prayer, and letting Jesus enter into your heart, let him do the work that he needs to do there, let him... Trans- Bring healing to any wounds that are there, and let him, let him fill you with his love. Let him. It is in the work of prayer that we get the opportunity to actually come face-to-face with the love of God, that he loves us, every part of us. There's not one part of us that he does not love, and we, and we start to think of all the things that we've done that we're ashamed of. Well... Those memories, those, those times of darkness in our lives, even there, God loves us. And it's in the work of prayer, primarily, that we set, that we set aside time for allowing God to love us. And everything else, everything else that we see um, in the gospel, the way of living a life of discipleship, of uh, following after Jesus, that follows simply from the fact of knowing ourselves to be loved by God. And of course, Father Daniel and I get up here and say, the, say, say almost the same thing every week, that we're loved and forgiven by God. But that's because we need to hear it. We need to hear it over and over again. There is nothing else that is going to sustain us in what we are called to do as followers of Christ. And so I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. I'll say it until I pass out. But we need to encounter the love of Jesus if we are going to live the lives of the people who are bearing God's good news and knowing that we're loved and forgiven by Jesus we are able to bring uh, live lives of fulfillment of eternal purpose lives that are full of love joy peace you've heard it before love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness and self-control and we're able to, as we'll hear next week in the gospel, we're able to be the light to the nations and shine God's light to every dark corner of creation.